You may be seated. Today I would like to tell you a story. Once upon a time, there was you. I'm going to tell your story. Now, I don't have any inside information. Your relatives didn't send me any information about you. I haven't bugged your phone, or I'm not stalking your Facebook page, or any of that. But I'm going to tell your story. I'm going to tell my story today. Once upon a time, there was you. And there was a time when you and me were without God. Or there was a time when we walked in brokenness. Or there was a time when we sinned. Or we failed. Or there was a time when we placed an internal premium on temporal values and things. This is a story about you. A story about me. And then suddenly life happened and stuff changed. I think maybe the best way to tell this story is to let the scriptures tell this story through Psalm 107. So once upon a time, there was you and there was me. And this is how the story goes. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Those he redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Stop there. You see, that's us. That's you. That's me. We are the redeemed of the Lord. If we are followers of Jesus, we are the redeemed of the Lord. But it was not always the case. Now, whether you were told about God as a child or maybe recently in your adulthood, relatively speaking, you came to faith, for all of us, well, let's get back to our story. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to an inhabited town. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wonderful works to humankind. For he satisfies the thirsty, and the hungry he fills with good things. See, some of you, some of you have been in the desert. Some of you have walked in the dry place. Some of you have been in the desert where you thought you weren't going to make it. But then you called out to God, and he delivered you, and he met you. But let's go on. Some sat in darkness and in gloom, prisoners in misery and in irons. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and gloom and broke their bonds asunder. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wonderful works to humankind. For some here, depression may have taken hold. You've walked through the darkness of depression and difficulty, and it seemed like it was dark at noon. And you weren't sure you were ever going to get out of the dark hole. Or maybe sorrow has overcome you, Grief stacked upon grief. Or the dark night of the soul in your life just seems like it cannot be shaken. But then you cried out to the Lord. And he met you. And maybe is meeting you today. And then there were some who were sick through their sinful ways. 
Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word, and he healed them and delivered them from destruction. Let them thank the Lord for what? His steadfast love, for his wonderful works to humankind. So perhaps there's some here who remember when sin wreaked destruction in your life. I remember when sin seemed to completely undo my life. I remember what sin did and the scars it left and sometimes still struggle with some of those scars. I, I, remember, I remember like it was another life ago. As we were singing earlier, I was thinking and thanking God for where I sit this morning because where I was sitting when I was a young adult wasn't where I was sitting this morning. And I was thanking God. It seems like I have lived two lives one with him, one without him, and I've lived this section. All that was good, you may remember, in your life was undone by the sinful moment, the sinful attitude, the sinful action. Joy left you. Life became all about you and no one else. But then you saw the fallacy of that and you cried out to God and he healed your soul, he forgave your sins, and he included you in the family of God. But then there were some who went down to the sea in ships doing business on the mighty waters. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their calamity as they're doing business. They reeled and staggered like drunkards and were at their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he brought them out from their distress. He made the storm be still. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wonderful works to humankind. Because maybe then some, perhaps you... Perhaps you placed all your trust in what you thought would satisfy. A job, money, your kids, your house, your lands. You thought what would bring you success. They were duped, perhaps some, maybe you. I know sometimes I'm tempted this way. Maybe you were duped by what Pastor Mike calls the insidious, sinful busyness. in a world seeking to appease our self-obsession. Maybe what you thought would bring the good life, but even the best wit and human wisdom could not prevent you from coming to your wit's end. But then, in a moment of clarity, you cried out to the Lord. You see, this is our story. This is our story. This is the story of a wandering people who have been found by a searching God of steadfast love. This is our story. And for all of us who identify this story as our own, we are given these words at the end of this psalm. Let those who are wise give heed to these things and consider the steadfast love of the Lord. But that wise reflection of the deep love of God did not and does not end with us just thinking about it or talking about it, or singing great songs about it, or even memorizing verses of Scripture about it. It doesn't end in any of that. Because you see, this psalm tells a story of people who once wandered, but then they found their way to the redemptive God. And, and, and because they did that, something happened to them. They became different people. Something happened to them. The story of the steadfast love of God impacted so, them so much that they became storytellers. 
Verses 1 and 2, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Today, as you know, is Community Impact Sunday. We gather from the north and the south, the east and the west, as this psalm indicates, from our city, literally, quite literally. And today will be through our loving the city that we will tell a story. We will tell the prayerful story of this psalm, the story of a people redeemed by God who now go into the world as a different people, a redemptive people. Is there a Sunday, is there a Sunday where we're needed more than ever before? Is there a Sunday when the world woke up this morning to what's happened in our world overnight in the last 24 hours? I can't imagine someone more needed than you, than me. So with our lives and our acts of service, we tell the story of the steadfast love of God to a city and to a world of the people who are wandering, like Psalm 107, who maybe not yet have cried out to the Lord, They're wondering what it looks like to find the steadfast love of God. There's a lot of things that people think Christianity should be or is, and they're wrong. But Scott Sauls nails it when he says, Christianity always flourishes most as a life-giving minority, not as a powerful majority. It is through subversive, countercultural acts of love, justice, and service for the common good that Christianity has always gained the most ground. Today is about the common good of our community. Stepping into it where we partner. We're going to be literally partnering with employees of the city. We're going to be partnering with other churches. We're going to step into an organization that's a secular organization providing housing for uh, uh, people in a socioeconomic struggle. It's not a Christian organization, but we're going to step in in the name of Jesus for the common good as a witness to God's shalom. But that's where Christianity has always gained its ground. So today we are practicing, as Ed Stetzer puts it, the subversive kingdom of God. We are that. We walk into our world today with the most powerful resource we have at our disposal. Bar none, the most powerful resource the church has at our disposal is you, is our presence. Our presence as a people are redeemed of the Lord, who now are the redemptive presence to our world. In fact, the best argument for your faith and for my faith is that we be present in the world, not with our words, though those matter too, but with our lives. Jesus said as much when he said, in the same way, let your light show shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. This is how David Horner puts it. When Christians exhibit goodness, it points to God's worth. I love that. Indeed, the evidence shows that it was primarily the radical goodness of Jesus' followers in the early centuries that so powerfully attested to the gospel. So your life and my life are an apologetic for the steadfast love of God to the world. Probably the person who has summed it up best is Christopher Wright when he says this. It is not as much the case that God has a mission for his church in the world as that God has a church for his mission in the world. You see that? God has a church for his mission in the world. It's not that, that God has this mission. No, no, no. The mission's always been there. God has a church. 
So when we declare that our mission, in our mission statement, when we say we exist to share God's hope wherever we find ourselves, and we further affirm that in our core values when we say we are to be a sent community revealing the good news of Jesus, we are connecting to the mission that already exists. You, me, Community Chapel, the other churches that are going to meet in our parking lot, we are connecting to the mission that already exists to bring the shalom of God to the world. Uh, one of the things I love about this Sunday is it really decenters us. It's supposed to. It's to decenter you as an individual, me as an individual, us as a faith community, where it's not about you. It's not about me. That's where we get messed up most of the time, even when we're serving people. Sometimes we make it too much about us. It's not about us. And we get to go out there and just be servants and say, God, just let me serve wherever I can serve. And God does amazing things when the people of God do that. And the world looks on and goes, well, that's a different narrative. <laughs> that's not like my workplace. That's not what's happening in my family. That's not what's going on in my community. That's a different narrative. We provide for them the narrative of redemption. That is the most prevalent way we become the storytellers to our world. Our lives are the defense of the gospel. For too long, we thought it's just about proving our arguments. And you know what? You save no one. You convert no one by proving they're wrong. No one. Words are needed, but to gain the opportunity to create credibility, to have an audience in a wandering world, our lives first declare this truth, that the Lord, He is God. He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Verse 1. God is concerned for His creation, especially His human masterpiece but not just as an evangelistic goal. He loves people because he loves people, period. The whole subject for God is people. That is his focus. His desire is to bring restoration where sin has distorted and destroyed God's goodness, especially among humankind. And from the very beginning, that has been the focus of God's people. Remember Abraham? He was launched out into the world. He was launched out into an unknown world. He was launched out into a world that was not kind to his God. He was launched into a world that was pagan. He was launched into a world that was pluralistic. He was launched into a world, this man Abraham, that was dangerous. A broken world. A world where the Cain and Abel's of the world and the Tower of Babel's of the world left their mark. And by the way, still leaving their mark. What's happened in the last 24 hours? Cain and Abel. What's happened when, when, when we crush one another in power? The Tower of Babel. Still being built. But that's what happened in his world. That's the world he came to. So God calls Abraham into his world in Genesis 12 and says, go from your country and your kindred, get out of the safe place, as the song we sang this morning says, and to the land I will show you and I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. And later on, it's affirmed in Isaiah when we read these words in chapter 19, Israel will be a blessing in the midst of the earth. God's people will be a blessing right in the midst of the earth, not to run away from it, but in the midst of it. And then there's the world in the New Testament, the world of the Roman Empire, the world where anything goes, kind of immorality, injustice, and pagan idol worship, where kings were considered gods and Christians were considered targets. 
Into that world, Paul said this, God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, blessed us, has given us the ministry of reconciliation to be a blessing, to be part of making all things right. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the whole world to himself. So we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Is our world any different than the worlds of Abraham and Paul? From the fall in the garden, sin has wrecked us. Sin has wrecked the human masterpiece. Sin has stolen the gift of God's goodness. Sin has stained and shattered the image we were created to shine in. Sin, sin has stained and polluted and destroyed God's good creation. But God has always had his presence. Not away from the sin. God has always had his presence through his people to be a reminder of one truth. The psalmist says, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wonderful works to humankind, for he satisfies the thirsty and the hungry he fills with good things. So today, Community Impact Sunday is simply a small effort in leaning into the very truth of who we really are. It is just one opportunity to be a storyteller in a world of takers. In a world of takers, for just a moment, we become givers. In a world that's busy grasping and taking and adding and giving to myself, we become a world. We become a people. We become a story. We change the narrative. That it's not about us. It's not about us being right. It's not about us proving a point. But it's about us just giving ourselves away. And so we gather on this table around a table, on this Sunday around a table, that's all about giving away. This is the heart of our story, and this is the heart of this table. Every time we gather around this table, we are declaring the story that forms and shapes us. We are practicing the words of this psalm. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And in this table, we do just that. We declare the covenant of God's love for us. We look at the cross and we allow ourselves to be formed and shaped by his story, his body given for us, his blood shed for us. And then we leave the table as the primary storytellers in this world, giving our lives for the sake of God's highest and best good for others, just as Jesus gave his life for us. So we come to the table and remember this story. Let it let the story change our story and let us become part of his story to our city today and our city every day wherever we find ourselves in life that's what this table's about that's what this day's about that's what your life that's what my life is about so as we prepare for communion today our worship team is going to come and our servers who are going to be serving us communion today are members from our Nazarene Youth Conference team who are going to be coming. So I'm going to ask our servers to come and get into your positions. These are students who were at Nazarene Youth Congress celebrating God, but also serving others in the Phoenix area just a couple weeks ago. 
and they're going to be uh, offering you the elements. When you come to the table, please receive the elements, take them back to your chair, and then we'll participate together. So I invite you to stand with us this morning, and I'm going to invite you today to come to the table of the Lord. Come to the table that tells the story, that forms and shapes our mission because it forms and shapes our lives. Let us come to the table of the Lord. Our servers said, the gifts of God for the people of God. We are offered the gifts of this table, not for us just to consume them, but that we become the gifts of God of the people of God to the world. The gifts of God for the people of God so that the people of God become the gifts of God to the world. So on the night before Jesus was crucified, he took the bread, he gave thanks to the Father, and he gave it to his followers, and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us participate in the bread. He then took the cup, and again he gave thanks to the Father, and he gave the cup to his followers. He said, this is the cup of my new covenant, my blood which is shed for the forgiveness of many. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us participate in the cup. I invite you to stand this morning. I noticed that we have um, cars are starting to zoom into our parking lot. I think we did pretty well today. It's 10 o'clock exactly. So we did really well today in timing and all that. But my friends, let us not leave here not formed and shaped by this story. This is God's story, and it is our story. Let us go and be the gifts of God as the people of God this day. And may we, by our lives, tell the story that can form and shape those we come in contact with this day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.